I just realized something about centrifugal force in addition to what I realized the d a day ago. Um, centrifugal force is two different forces. There's the linear force, or there's the composition of mul a multiplicity of linear forces tangential to the center at right angles to the radius that uh, gets converted into rotary motion when we rotate a wheel. But then there's the centrifugal force that we waste when we hold on to, um, let's say, a ball tied to a string and when we twirl it around our head. So the tangential lines of force are what the rotary it gets are what gets converted into the continuous rotary motion of a wheel. But the force we have to exert to hold on to that ball at the end of a rope that we twirl around our head, the the, the ball wants to fly off. And we say, No way, Jose, we're gonna hold on to you with this rope, with a tight grip. And that's an extra amount of energy I have to exert at the center of the twirling action to hold on to that ball so I can continue to make a rotary motion with that weighted string. Which, when we turn it into a planar, a planar shape of a disc and set it in rotary motion, all we get transferred to the wheels of our car from the drive shaft of our um, drivetrain in our transmission system in our automobile is the composition of the continuous additions of or successions successive additions of the linear motion that's tangential namely at right angles to the radius of that circular twirling but the force we exert at the center of that radius, or at the center of that circle, at the radius, to hold on to everything as it wants to fly off in all directions, that's a force we have to exert and add, which does not get added to the rotary motion because it's at right angles to the rotary motion. It's in opposition to the circumference of the circular motion and at right angles to the rotary motion. Um, to hold everything together, to keep the disc as a disc instead of it flying apart in a bunch of shrapnel going off in all sorts of directions. Now, in, if I can say his name correctly, Mal, Mal, Valkovic, Mal, oh, the Serbian guy, I'll have to look up his name. I, Sorry, I can't pronounce people's, I'm not very good at pronouncing <laughs> names that are not Smith or Jones, um, or to retain them and put, commit them to memory. He came up with a two-part oscillator that Peter Lindemann analyzed, and he said there's more than gravity involved, there's centrifugal force involved, and I didn't quite really understand his... I mean, I, I appreciated the fact that it was very scholarly and thorough, but I really didn't understand it, and I can see now why. Because this inventor from Serbia who lost his arm during the Serbian-Croatian conflict, uh, I think he picked up a landmine, um, and... <clears throat> and he invented this contraption that all you have to do is flick with your pinky the pendulum and it will run a hydraulic manual water pump that takes a great deal of effort to run 
and yet with his pinky he swings this little pendulum on the long arm side of a lever and the short arm lifts and and plunges the water pump and pumps water from a well and lifts water against gravity despite the fact he's just exerting uh, his little pinky to swing the pendulum so How does it work? What is this centrifugal force that's adding to the gravity force and the force of his little pinky to make the thing run? And I finally think I have figured it out. As I... um As I um <laughs> pursue my daily chores... Um... What it amounts to is that he's taking advantage of centrifugal force um, in the area of the pendulum and uh, also in the area of the lever, for that matter, because the centrifugal force is different on the long arm versus the short arm. So he's making use of multiple instances of centrifugal force in one format or another to make that thing an over-unity mechanical device. Now, it's not a perpetual motion device because none of the energy at the output goes back to the input. I've figured out how to create that feedback so that it can be a perpetual motion device and could be one possible uh, candidate, let's say, to explain Bessemer's wheel Um, without us knowing really what Bessemer's wheel was. It's one way to satisfy the criteria of having rotary motion in continuous motion all by itself once you start it with an initial input from the outside. You know, you take your arm and you rotate the thing and then it keeps going and doesn't stop. And it runs a load on top of which. I figured out how to make this inventor's device work. Even though it's a reciprocating device, that's no big deal. You just have a cam drive... uh, Um, you know, like on a steam locomotive or in the engine of our car, uh, converting uh, reciprocating motion into rotary motion. So that's not an issue. The issue, uh, there is some loss of efficiency because you're running a cam drive, and so it has to be able to maintain that, so it undercuts uh, the amount of energy that will be there for the load. And, of course, uh, some more of that energy is going to be uh, removed to make it perpetual motion, to loop back to the beginning and flick that little <clears throat> exert enough energy similar to uh, equivalent to uh, your little pinky to move uh, that uh, pendulum and keep it swinging so that the pump action in its entirety can continue to um, be dynamic and lively. Anywho, <clears throat> I've seen that centrifugal motion is the answer in all of these parts in, in the question marks and it, it explains what Peter Lindemann was describing, and I, and I can and appreciate it now, and it explains how to make it a perpetual motion device as well. It's, um, it's a force that goes overlooked because it's never translated, it's never converted, it's never made use of in our rotary devices. It's thrown away. It's ignored. It's not thrown away. It's ignored. It, it's there. It has to be there to maintain the integrity of the system from flying apart into shrapnel. But... And, you know, the strength of the materials contributes as well. But, well, no, actually it prevents it from becoming shrapnel because the centrifugal force wants to break apart 
our rotary discs and our wheels and whatnot, our axles, because um, there's nothing at the center holding it together. It's simply the integrity of the materials of construction that's holding everything together. But in the analogy of the uh, rock or weight on the end of a string, your hand is at the center, twirling it around your head. And so your hand is the force that's holding on to it, along with the integrity of the materials of the rope that, and the knot that you use for tying the weight on the end of the rope. So that's there, but you, you also have your grip on the rope as well, is part of that integrity of the materials of construction. It's part of that picture overall picture of holding the rock in your uh, control, the weighted rock or whatever that you're twirling over your head. <clears throat> so I can appreciate now how centrifugal force has been overlooked. And this inventor has put it to use, and all we have to do is continue along that line of reasoning. Once we understand and appreciate what he has done, then we can go and apply it and turn it into a perpetual motion machine analogous to Bessemer's wheel without us really knowing, ultimately, unless we're psychic or something, what he actually did. Um, if we're the reincarnation of Bessemer, I'm sure it's back there deep in our subconscious, but I am not, or in our soul memory, but I am not the reincarnation of Bessemer, so I can't say. I don't know. Um, but this does satisfy the criteria of continuous motion, mechanical motion, which could be easily converted into rotary motion and satisfy the criteria of a continuously rotating wheel. Um, uh, what do they call it? A, um, a um, well, if you're a if you're a grinding mill in the 1800s, it would be a water wheel or a water wheel on the side of uh, one of those uh, steamers, those uh, boats that, um, oh, what do they call them, uh, that would uh, lazily uh, flow up and down the Mississippi River that uh, Mark Twain got his name from <laughs> when they wanted to find how far away the bottom was from the uh, surface of the water. Uh, Mark Twain, two two marks, two knots of the end, length of a rope, and he decided to name himself after that instead of being um, something Clemens. Was it Tom? Thomas Clemens, or I, I can't remember his first name, uh, birth first name. In any case, um, yeah, those water wheels. You know, anything that's wheeled that's been part of our industrial revolution from uh, a seemingly bygone era the steam engine and, you know, all those rotary motion devices. Um, anyway, I can, under, I can appreciate now what's going on and why centrifugal force is overlooked because it's not part of the energy equation in today's conventional machinery. It's just overlooked and completely ignored. I, except for when the manufacturer goes to construct the darn thing and wants to make sure it holds together during operation especially at high speeds of RPM. Um, be that as it may, um, and ball bearing manufacturers of uh, ball bearing fittings, you know, all kinds of, you know, people are involved with these these circular things. And H.G. Uh, Wells, when he wrote his uh, War of the Worlds, uh, he constructed a fabricated, a, an imaginary uh, Martian uh, culture that never invented the wheel and got along without it. <laughs> so, well, he uh, took a interesting premise to his science fiction uh, story. Anyway, so I've had that little 
aha, and I thought I'd live, give you a heads up because I haven't even diagrammed the darn thing. I've simply done it in my head in the middle of the night and how to rig up pulleys and, and ropes and levers and springs to complete the picture of that inventor's invention of the uh, two-stage oscillator, as Peter Lindemann calls it, um, in which the two stages are in operate independent of each other. So the swinging of the pendulum on the long arm of the lever and the teetery tottering of the lever itself are separate and distinct from each other. Each one can be put into motion with your hand separate from and distinct from the other. You know, if you hold the other one steady or strap it or whatever and just rotate the one side versus the other side that's not strapped solid... Um, they're, they're irrespective. They, they, they move freely, regardless of whether or not the other one is locked solid, stationary. And yet, when they're allowed to um, do their thing in concert with each other, they, they create an interesting um, anomaly of overunity in a mechanical device. And uh, many an uh, engineer has scratched their head over that one, and they can't seem to come up with any <laughs> rational solution. But Peter Lindemann did. And he wrote a paper, and he submitted it to the guy um, to show him, to share with him. And I remember reading it, because he shared it with us. And it's, it's a very astute analysis, but <laughs> I haven't reread it since this aha moment, so I'll have to go uh, reread it. And I think I'll include a link to it. <clears throat> I think it's on his website, possibly, or it's on the inventor's website. I think it's on the inventor's website, yeah, because it was done sent as a private letter correspondence to the inventor from Peter. And so I don't know if it's on Peter's website, but I, I'm pretty sure it's on the inventor's website. So I'll, I'll include a link to that in this podcast. And I'll include this podcast, the link to this podcast in... The new space I'll open up. I keep opening up new spaces. This one will be on this inventor's invention. If there isn't a space devoted to it already, I'll start one on Quora. Um, anyway, I thought I'd let you know. <laughs>